Hey, great to see you all tonight, and uh, welcome back. Uh, it's great to see some familiar faces and some new faces. Yeah, my name is Bill. I'm uh, one of the members of the PF staff, and all of us uh, on our team look forward to getting to know you if we haven't met you already, and uh, we're glad you're here. And we do hope, as, as Lizzie said, that uh, you find friends here, you find family here, and uh, for us, even uh, more significant than that, although it's bound up in that, is that uh, this will be a place where you can grow and deepen and be encouraged in your knowledge of God while you're here at Princeton. So, uh, yeah, this is PEF, uh, or as uh, some people call it PEF, and uh, I've never called it that, but some people do. Um, and some of you might be wondering, you know, what's, what's in a name? Um, Princeton, I, I hope you all get that, and fellowship, um, you know, some people get confused by that, but I, uh, I, I think you get that, right? I mean, it has to do with people coming together in community and uh, partnership around common belief, common cause, uh, but evangelical, can you say that word? What does that mean? Um, this is an old organization. It was established back in the 1930s, and uh, maybe that word was a little bit more, uh, had different a meaning, connotation, understanding then. It comes from the Greek, some of you will know, evangelion, which means literally, if we translate it, good news. And uh, there it is, right there on the screen. Uh, that, that is a, a combination of two words, uh, au which is a Greek word or prefix that means good or pleasant. You know, we get things in English like eulogy, words of praise, usually to people who are dead. Um, euphemism, using pleasing words to, to mask talking about something unpleasant. Euphoria, a good feeling. Uh, euthanasia, painless death. Eureka, you know, a good, good, wonderful discovery. So it's a word that then we join that with angelos, you'll see angel there, to get, uh, which means messenger um, or message, and uh, that gives us our word, evangelion, or good news. So, I, you know, I want you to hear that because we are a community of Princetonians who are uniting together around the good news of Jesus Christ. And most Fridays when we meet, uh, we have a talk, uh, this is it, uh, based on a uh, section of the Bible. And in the next weeks, we want to pick up on this theme of good news. And think about the many ways that the Christian message, the core Christian message, is uh, good news for us, for everyone in this room. It's good news for this campus. It's good news for our, our community, for our nation. It is good news for our world. And tonight I want to jump right in and look at a section out of the Gospel of John in the New Testament. Uh, and in this book, John, the, the writer, gives us uh, his unique narrative look at Jesus' life and teaching, his works uh, culminating in his death and his resurrection. And we're going to look at a text right near the beginning of that narrative. John has opened with an amazing prologue, and uh, I'll mention that in, in a few minutes. And now he's begun to describe uh, the very beginning of what we might call Jesus' public ministry as Jesus is gathering his first followers. 
So I, I've got the text there on the screen. And so we're right in the middle of that, where Jesus is, is gathering followers together. Uh, listen as I read uh, this, this text from John. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Andrew and Peter are two guys that Jesus is already connected with. And Philip found Nathanael uh, and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, as we look at this text, I want us to see three things, three ways that Jesus changes everything. Uh, he changes everything by humbling himself. He changes everything in that he welcomes us and third, he changes everything in that he makes a way for us. Let's talk about this. Jesus changes everything in that he humbles himself. You know, as he begins his public ministry here, beginning to gather his first followers, uh, you guys, probably most of you know, in the, in the New Testament, that word follower is often translated disciple, and that just means a learner, um, a student. It was common in that time for disciples to connect themselves, associate themselves with particular rabbis. And so Jesus' first followers are uh, people who had previously been hanging out with a forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. But when Jesus arrives on the scene, John the Baptist says about him, in effect, this is the guy. This is the guy I've been telling you about. Forget about me. Follow him. And these first followers of Jesus start to bring their friends to meet him, and that's where this text picks up, with Philip bringing his friend Nathaniel to meet Jesus. And from the beginning, this is how Christianity spread. One friend telling another friend, one friend bringing another friend to meet Jesus. And so Philip tells Nathanael about Jesus. And he, he tells him two things about him. First, he says, we have found the one whom Moses and the prophets spoke about. And that, that's a big deal. You know, I don't know how you'd react to that. But the Jews were anticipating someone who would be anointed of God. That word anointed is where we get the, the Hebrew word Messiah and the Greek word Christ. They were anticipating an anointed one of God who would lead them and deliver them, particularly from the oppression uh, from, uh, of Rome. And Philip tells us, he goes to his friend Nathaniel, he says, I think this is the guy. This is the guy. And maybe, maybe Nathaniel's eyes kind of brighten and, and widen with excitement. 
But then Philip says, yeah, yeah, I think this is the guy. He's this dude from Nazareth, son of Joseph. And you, you can just sort of see, you know, Nathaniel's face uh, changing. Yeah, right. It's like, you know, come on, Philip, you're messing with me. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? See, Nathaniel was skeptical when he heard where Jesus came from. He was skeptical when, when he heard who Jesus' family was. Jesus, most of you will know, was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in a little town, probably, scholars think, fewer than 500 people, a small town. Anybody grow up in a town that small? Here? Hey, there's a winner. Okay. <laughs> Prizes in the back. Uh, he grew up in a small town, a very small town called Nazareth. And it was not an important town. It was not a prominent town. Uh, years later, opponents of the early Christians would refer to the, to the Christians in a derogatory way. They'd say the sect of the Nazarene. That was a, way, that was a put down. And so our man Nathaniel is from another small town, also in, in the region of Galilee, called Cana. And he doesn't think very highly of anybody who's coming out of Nazareth. You know, that, that place is a dump. That place is a pit. You know, maybe you can't, maybe it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there. And, and you know, I, th I think about that. I grew up in Texas and Dallas. We used to say that about Lubbock. Um, <laughs> nobody's here from Lubbock. <laughs> You know, in a lot of ways, we are just like Nathaniel. I, 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 I believe it. He thought that important people had to come from important places. That influential people had to come from prominent families. That leaders had to have the right background. You know what I mean. And we're impressed. Princeton is impressed with people who have uh, the right credentials who go to the right schools, who are connected to the right people. And you know, Jesus was none of that. He was none of that. He was from a small town and he was from a poor working class family. And so he says, you know, Philip, you're just too funny. The Messiah coming from Nazareth, get out of here. You know, you're crazy. Nathaniel was prejudiced. He may have been uh, bigoted. His, his way of thinking about people was perverse. But if Philip, his friend, is right about Jesus, if he's right, this is the guy that we're looking for. That changes everything. This can change your whole way of understanding God's ways and of seeing other people. Because, you know, I mentioned this amazing prologue that John begins his gospel with, and the language that he uses there is really extraordinary. These are just a couple of excerpts from it, but he says, in the beginning was the, the word. Right, right off the bat, he's using language that's drawn directly out of the opening uh, verse of the Bible, in the beginning, right out of... Uh, creation account, 
And then he uses this, this word, word, logos, in the Greek, which uh, for, for uh, the Greeks uh, in, in that time was a very significant concept. The Greek philosophers spoke of the logos as the organizing principle of, of the universe. And John says that in the beginning, the logos was with God and was God, that everything was made through him, He's the creator of all things. He's, he's uh, the, the author, the source of life itself. And then, something even more extraordinary there in, in verse 14. He says that, that this glorious being is not a concept. It's not a principle. But it is, it is a, a person who became flesh and dwelt among us. And, he, and if you know the story, you know he did not come into the world in a, in a glorious way. He came into the world in a quiet way and in a humble way. And as we've seen, he lived in an insignificant town. And this is an extraordinary thing to consider. That the eternal Lagos, the, the, the creator God himself, has... Uh, inhabited our humanity and, and was living in this backwater, dumpy town of Nazareth. The Apostle Paul will marvel at this later when he says about Jesus, you know, can you guys get over this, that although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard his, his equality with God something to be held on to, but he emptied himself. He took the form of a servant being born in the likeness of our humanity and being found in human form, he humbled himself even further by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And what Jesus did in his, in his incarnation, in his becoming human, in his uh, ultimately his humiliation and, and the humility with which he came what I'm suggesting to you is that changes everything. That ought to change everything about how we understand God's ways and how we see other people. It changes the way we ought to see other people because it dignifies every person. Because Jesus is saying there's no one who is too low for me to live in their town, to be one of them. By whatever standard you want to measure. Because we think there are little people and there are little places. But Jesus says there are no little people. And there are no places so small that I would not want to be there with those people. You know, I grew up in Texas. I already told you that. And Texans are proud to be from Texas. You don't mess with Texas and all that stuff. But, and we, we, you know, we were merciless with, if, if you were from Oklahoma, you're from Arkansas, you know, sorry. <laughs> but it's no different, you know, Princeton and Yale. Can anything good come out of Yale? <laughs> right? I mean, hard as I preach, I'm not going to persuade you of that. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of prejudice is mostly, it's just, it's silly, but, but there there were deeper and darker and uglier prejudices in my community where I grew up 
against people who were different from me, different color, different race, different ethnicity, different religion. And there is something ugly in all of our nature that inclines us to fortify our own sense of self by looking down on other people, to magnify ourselves by, by making other people small, and to construe greatness, our own greatness, in terms of things like power and wealth and class and human accomplishment. And, and Jesus, in, in his coming out of Nazareth, he turns those tables upside down. He comes to us in humility and in lowliness. And in doing so, he shows us that, that greatness... Listen, Princetonians, greatness is achieved by lowering ourselves to serve others. God's ways are different from our ways. The one, Jesus says, who would be great among you must be the servant of all. Yes, Nathaniel, something so very good is coming out of Nazareth. Listen, Princeton is not a humble place, but can we, can we be a humble people? A humble community right here? Are you willing to let Jesus challenge and change your perspective tonight on what is important, on what is valuable, on what is significant, on what, what is impressive? Oh, we want to be a humble people here. Lord, make us humble. Make us a humble people. But then secondly, Jesus changes everything in, in that he welcomes us. So Nathaniel is skeptical, but for all that, he decides, oh, well, okay, Philip, I got nothing better to do, so I'm going to go with you to check this guy Jesus out for myself. And, you know, I can identify with that because that is my story. That was me. I was voted most cynical by my high school senior class. <laughs> uh, I was arrogant. I don't know if I could actually fairly put that in the past tense. Um, I imagined I was very smart. When some friends invited me to Christian meetings, I had little interest in God or in Jesus or in Christianity, I, I always have, I still have a problem with authority. I was not interested in anyone telling me what to do or how to live. I, would, I definitely was prejudiced against Jesus freaks. And so I, I was a skeptic like Nathaniel. But I thought, okay, well, this might be fun, so I'll, I'll go check it out. Now, what's so amazing about this story is that Jesus knows Nathaniel is prejudiced against him. He knows Nathaniel is skeptical of him. He knows Nathaniel is not inclined to show him any respect. As a matter of fact, he knows everything about Nathaniel. He knows his character and he knows his heart and he knows what Nathaniel is doing. Even when no one else can see him, Jesus says, don't ask me what Nathaniel was doing under the fig tree. But Jesus saw him there. And yet, knowing everything that Jesus knows about Nathaniel, 
He welcomes him. Hey, Nathaniel, you're welcome here. You're that guy who's not afraid to say what he thinks. You know, come join us. You know, and that was a big part of my experience when I first began to meet real Christians. They didn't judge me. They didn't say, you know, come back when you have it all together. They welcomed me. But there's something even more important than that. I know I said a minute ago that I wasn't interested in God when I was in high school, but that's not really true. Because I see now that at that point in my life, what I feared more than anything else in the world was rejection. Being rejected by other people. And so I kept my guard up. How do you think I got voted most cynical? Right? That's a person who's got their guard up. What I feared ultimately more, even than the rejection of other people, was the possibility that God himself might reject me. And when I came to understand that the one, God, who had every reason to reject me, justly, fairly, righteously, he could have rejected me he had every reason to, when I came to understand that he knew everything about me, all of my secrets, and that he still loved me, that he was still eager to welcome me as his beloved, that changed everything for me. That was, that was a turning point in my life. And if you're here as a skeptic, you know, please stay. Come and see. Come and see. Find out for yourself. You know, Jesus is the only person I have ever met who is more than I could ever ask or imagine. And I'm a very happily married man. <laughs> and I have four wonderful children. But Jesus is the only person I have ever met who is more than I could ever ask or imagine. But you know, this prejudice works in all directions. Right now I hear a lot of Christians in our country talking about how it's harder and harder to be a person of faith in this country. And maybe at one time it was more respectable to be a Christian than it is now. You know what? As followers of Jesus, we may be treated with disrespect, but Jesus doesn't really think we should worry about that. The bigger problem for us, for the household of faith, is when we are prejudiced against other people. Jesus welcomed me when he had every reason to reject me. Jesus welcomes you. God welcomes you when he has every reason, just reason, to reject you. How can you, how can I, then not welcome others. Jesus welcomes the sinners, the undesirables. He says, come unto me. Are we ready to be that kind of people, that kind of community? I, I was worshiping at a beautiful church in Philadelphia on Wednesday night. And the brother who was preaching, he got, he got going and uh, he was saying, we should hope, we should hope that the people sitting next to us are people who have been immoral and who have been 
hateful and who have had murderous thoughts and who have been disobedient to God because you know what? That's who we are. And that is who God welcomes. We want to be a welcoming community here, not a community of people who have it all together because we don't. Not a, a community who acts like we have it all together because we don't. Not a community of people who are self-righteous or who are judgmental. We don't want to be cool. We want to be warm, humble, gracious, big-hearted. That's what Jesus has been for us. Can we be that kind of a community? And then thirdly, Jesus changes everything in that he opens up a new and, and living way to God. What Jesus says to Nathaniel next is so amazing because Nathaniel is impressed to discover that Jesus knew everything about him and still welcomed him. And he was so impressed that he begins to think, wow, maybe Philip's not such an idiot after all. Maybe this is the guy we're looking for. And Jesus says, okay, yeah, that's good, Nathaniel, but there is so much more for you to see. There is so much more for you to know about who I am and about why I'm here. So don't go away. Stay with us. You will see, Jesus says, greater things. You're impressed that I knew what you were doing under the fig tree. You're going to see things far greater than that. What's Jesus talking about? Well, you turn to John chapter 2, you know, you know the story of the, Jesus and the wedding of, of Cana. He turns the water into wine, and John says this is the first of the signs that Jesus did. And, and so certainly the, the greater things that Jesus is talking about are, are his, uh, his, his signs, his wonders, the, the, the great works that would accompany his ministry. But I think he means something far more than that when he says that to Nathaniel. And the reason I think that is because then he goes on to say this. Truly, I say to you, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see heaven opened. You're going to see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And you're like, whoa, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? He's bringing together, in that language, two very significant uh, events out of the Old Testament and he's applying those events he's, he's bringing them together and applying them to himself the first is a vision and we're just not going to go there so try to stay with me if you don't know what I'm talking about the first was a vision that that uh, God gave to the patriarch Jacob in a dream and it was a vision of a ladder or a stairway that was extending from heaven to earth and and in that dream God's angels are going up and down uh, on that ladder between heaven and earth and the second is a vision that was given to Daniel. You guys know Daniel in the lion's den. and uh, A vision that was given to Daniel of a glorious divine figure. Uh, one, the text says, like the Son of Man. And so that title coming out of Daniel emphasizes a glorious person of heavenly origin and of divine authority. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, you know what, Nathaniel? You're going to see heaven open, the angels of God ascending and descending. There's that image out of Genesis upon the Son of Man. And what he's saying 
to Nathaniel and to the other disciples. And what he's saying to us is that if, if we pay attention to him, we are going to see that he himself is this glorious divine being. That he is God in human form who has come to do what? To open up a new and living way of access between heaven and earth, ultimately through his own suffering and death for us on the cross. As the scripture says elsewhere, there's one mediator, there's one ladder, there's one stairway, whatever you want to say, between God and mankind, and that person is Jesus Christ. And that changes everything. Do you see it? The solution to your problems tonight, whatever they are, the solution to uh, America's problems, which are many, the solutions to, to the broken and ruined condition of our human experience, the solution to that is not a plan or a program. It is not a new president. The solution is not political. It is not economic. It is not military. It is not social reform. It is not a matter of scientific innovation. The solution to the mess that we find ourselves in, the mess that is life, that is the human condition, the solution is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ, a person who has humbled himself to become a human being like us, to take on our suffering and our sin and all that separates us from God and to bear in his own body, Peter will say, our sins upon the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. You know, it's to bring us finally into the very presence of God, which is what you were made for. And that person, Jesus says to Nathaniel, that's me. The more you come to find out about Jesus, the more amazing it gets, the better it gets. And, and that is why people who have come to, to, to know and to understand and to know who Jesus is are people who have what? They have good news. Good news to tell. We, we want to be a people who say to others, come and see. This is the guy. Bring our friends to meet Jesus. Come find out for yourself, as I did when I was in high school, who he is, what he has done, and what it all means for our lives and for the world. So come and see. Friends, come and see. The gospel is good news. Christianity is good news. And this fall, that's what we want to do. We want to see how does this good news change everything? How does it impact everything in our lives? How does it make everything in our lives ultimately better? How can it change not only me, but this community, this campus, and this world for good in every way? Come and see. Amen. Father, we pray that you will, uh, for those who know what I'm talking about tonight, who have uh, come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Oh, Lord, fill us with joy and with peace as we trust in Him. Fill us with hope 
that we might overflow with hope and with joy and with peace by the power of the Holy Spirit who is in us. And Father, if there is a, is a, a friend here tonight who, like Nathaniel, like I was, is deeply skeptical of what we're saying, has doubts about your goodness or your trustworthiness or your strength, your power, your justice, your righteousness, Oh, Lord, I pray that uh, that person would not turn away, but would continue to come and see and, and listen and learn and come to know this Jesus, our Savior. Oh, Father, we're, we're starting a new year. We pray that you would knit us together in love, love for you, love for one another, a love that transcends all of our differences that binds us together, heart, mind, and soul, in love for you and a desire to share the good news with our friends, with our family, with, on this campus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.